One of the things that I do to keep myself motivated in the ministry is um, I make use of modern technology and I watch baptismal testimonies. Have you ever done that? Every once in a while on the internet, you'll find churches that record uh, the testimony of a person who's come to know the Lord as their Savior, and then they have a baptismal testimony. They have a a video of the person giving their story before they get baptized. How many of you have seen these? Raise your hand. Yeah, well, surf around a little bit. It's a lot of fun um, to see that. That motivates me, because there's nothing that motivates me in my heart like seeing somebody whose life has been changed, who's been delivered from their sin and their guilt and their shame and their fear of death, and their sins have been forgiven, and they have kind of a reason to live, and they're born again. Are you guys with me this morning? It's going to be a long morning. If you, This is an exciting thing. When people get born again, there's nothing in the world. This is a Super Bowl in heaven right there. I just said it. All right, now I'm out on that. There's nothing more exciting when people come to know the Lord. There's no game on earth like it. It's just the biggest deal. So I get really, really motivated when I watch these. And a matter of fact, I'll just tell you this. If you would like to do something to serve the Lord at Evangel and you're good at technology, I would love to put together a team of people who are sensitive enough to draw a testimony out of people and somebody who has the ability to take video of that, edit it, and then prepare it for just before they get baptized. We show this little video of their testimony. Wouldn't that just be awesome? We start putting those on the internet and people can say, my goodness, people's lives get changed there. Jesus delivers people there. People get free from their sin and their shame and their guilt and their fear. Can I get a witness here? (laughs) That's what I like to see now. If you would like to be a part of that team, we will take your application. All right? That would just be awesome. Somebody's going to have to be like more organized than me to pull that off, but I just think that could happen. And what we have here in this passage in, in Matthew chapter 12 today is the story of a guy who was in serious bad shape. My goodness, it's an amazing story. Just a little tiny story at first. I'm looking at Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. I'm not going to read the whole text In one thing together, we're going to just work our way through the text. Do a little bit different this week. So we're looking at verse 22. Take a look. Here's like, imagine this guy's baptism video. Okay? He's talking. He's talking. There was one brought to him. Him is Jesus. Uh, There was one brought to him, and he was demon-possessed. That would be a bad thing. Right? You're demon-possessed. Some of you may be. Um, He was demon-possessed. He was blind and he was mute. Okay? And that'd be like three strikes, right? You, you got demons. You can't see. And you can't talk. It doesn't say so, but it's likely he couldn't hear well. This guy is serious problem. He's oppressed. And he can't see. And he can't talk. Now, a lot of times, people like this would hang around the synagogue... It'd be like begging for money outside the church because you've got these sympathetic people that are going to be there that might be, you know, maybe having heard a message and their hearts are tender. And the Pharisees knew this. They would use this guy to try to entrap Jesus, which was really a low-life thing to do, don't you agree? Here's a guy who can't feed his family, can't have a normal life, he's blind, he can't speak, he's demon-possessed, he's oppressed, he's a messed-up guy. And don't miss this. I mean, let's stop here and praise God. Somebody brings the guy to Jesus. That's kind of cool. 
You say, well, I can't, I don't know what to do with oppressed people. Let me tell you what to do. You bump into somebody that's got a demon. Can I give you a personal suggestion? Like, talk back to me and this will work better. Yeah, yeah, like, Pastor, I'm totally interested in that. I'm going to take notes. You don't often get people tell you what to do with demon-possessed people, and I'm going to school you on this, okay? <laughs> take, I was at camp last week, and that's the problem, I think, here. You're old, and so you're moving slow, and you're, you're not that sharp. That's probably what it is. Anyway, get, get the person to Jesus fast as you can. You can't help a demon-possessed person. You can't. And if they're, they've got physical problems you can't do anything about, they've got spiritual problems you can't do anything about, you can't do anything about their guilt, you can't do anything about their shame, you can't do anything about all the messed up past they have, you can't give them eternal life. But I know somebody who can do all of that stuff. You get them to Jesus, that's what you do. Don't overlook that, because that is not the point of this passage, but that is the setting. Here you have a guy who somebody had the compassion and the brains to say, I don't know what to do for this guy but I'm taking him to Jesus because Jesus knows what to do for this guy. So Jesus, almost like an afterthought, like a sweeping thing, what does he do? It, he healed him. So he both, so the blind man, the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Verse 22. Ooh, that's a great story, isn't it? The guy who couldn't talk before and couldn't see before and he had demons. The guy brings him to Jesus, and Jesus fixes him, and now he can talk, and he can see, and he doesn't have demons anymore. Now what should be going on here? There should be a film crew here. There should be a party here. There should be like, whoa, the house is coming down, like somebody that couldn't speak before can speak, and he couldn't see before, and he can see, and he's demon-possessed, but he's not demon-possessed anymore. He can be a dad. He can be a husband. He can work with his hands. He can watch the sunset. He can watch the sunrise. He can go fishing with his boys now. He was demon-possessed, but he's set free. Somebody ought to be excited about that. These people are like, hmm. I wonder if, he, I wonder if Jesus did that with the power of the devil. Like, who comes up with that kind of stuff? But what we see here is groups of people. First group of people is the, op- no, the first guy is the oppressed guy. And don't forget the person, whoever it was, who brought this oppressed guy to Jesus. Small break for a commercial before I go on. Please find messed up people and bring them to Jesus. Okay? Figure it out any old way. You know, you can tell people that are, a lot of times you can tell messed up people just by looking at them. <laughs> Sometimes they don't look messed up. You know, they got this suit thing and a tie going on, and they got a nice car. But a lot of times you can just look in their eyes, and you can see the heaviness. You can see the brokenness. You can see the sadness. You can see the desperate need. We live in an area full of people who have desperate need, who need Jesus. You know him, so bring those people to him. You don't know how to do it? Ask him. He will help you. If you desperately want that, if in your heart you desperately want to let to bring other people to Jesus, I think he's going to let you be on a team that helps get people to Jesus. You can just invite people to church, if nothing else. You can, there's all kinds of things you can do. Give you some suggestions later on, but you got this guy, the oppressed guy. Now, in the next verse, you got the crowds. Before we get to the bad guys in the, in the story, no, because they're kind of like the main <laughs> problem here, you got the crowds. Now, what do the crowds do? This is verse 23. And then the multitudes were what? They were amazed, and they said, Could this be the son of David? Now, this is a loaded kind of thing. Son of David is a loaded kind of thing. What this means is, 
Is it possible this is the Messiah? Is it possible this is the Messiah? Now you hear last week, and Pastor Pine taught you the passage that's before this, is comes out of Isaiah, and it's kind of tricky that Matthew would put this in here now because he's suggesting why that passage from Isaiah says something about Jesus prophetically that nobody thought was true about Jesus. Because they, in their like cultural background, they had in the back of their mind like military conquering deliverers, kind of Judah the Hammer Maccabeus, you know, you, 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 you um, overthrow the Romans, you stab them in the heart, you get them out of the way, that's the Messiah, the, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to be a political military conqueror and that's what they were looking for and Matthew says, did you guys ever notice this passage in Isaiah where it says, like Pastor Pine taught so well last week, like that in bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not put out? Did you notice the Bible talks about the Messiah coming as a suffering servant before he comes as a military conquering hero? He's going to do both. And they're like, oh, no, I didn't notice that. Jesus, Matthew, is in, includes that in, in the passage. Earlier than that, of course, you've got the Pharisees being all petty about Jesus' disciples taking a little bit of grain, and they're saying that Jesus' disciples broke the Sabbath, and they didn't break the Sabbath. And he said to them, you know your Bibles well enough, you should not call innocent people guilty. And then, and, and then he goes and heals another guy. This is chapter 12, verse 9. He goes and he heals another guy with a withered hand. Another wonderful story of Jesus delivering. He did this to hundreds, probably thousands of people. And they gave him trouble for doing that on the Sabbath. They kind of goaded him. Do you see what this is all about? Matthew chapter 1 through 10 presents this amazing portrait of who Jesus, not who Jesus was, who Jesus is. Jesus is alive today. We don't talk about Jesus like he was. He is. Don't ever talk about Jesus in the past tense. He, he's in a house today. So chapter 1 through 11, chapter 1 through 10 present Jesus, Israel. This is your Messiah. This is the Christ of the Old Testament. This is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. Here he is. Now when you get to chapter 11, you have a res- re- just a resounding rejection. The leaders of the day are going to say, I don't want him. I don't believe him. I don't care what he does. Now, hanging in the balance are the people, the crowd. What are they going to believe about who Jesus is? Do you feel the tension here? This is the biggest deal in the whole world, and it still is today. Who do you believe that Jesus the Christ is? Will you receive Jesus as the only God, the forgiver of your sins, the one who controls heaven and earth? Do you believe that? Will you receive Him? That's Still the big question. And that was the question then. Now the Pharisees are the reigning religious party of the time. And they're rejecting him because he's going to cut into their business. And they don't want to cut into their business. And so they're willing over jealousy and envy. They're willing to kill him. They are plotting to kill Jesus at this point. Can you imagine a person who comes with such sweetness about him? And he loves little babies and he heals people and people can talk and see and he feeds the multitudes and he walks on the water and he teaches like nobody's ever taught and they want to kill him? What an evil thing that they would reject Jesus in such a way. Now the crowd is going to stand back and what are they going to do? They're saying, could this be the Messiah? They're not really for him. They're not really against him. 
They're just asking questions. They're like the person that always sits back in the meeting and waits and never really has an opinion until he figures out the, where the, the wind of public opinion is blowing. And then they're going to get on the side of the people that are the most popular. They're the crowd. This is the crowd, verse 23. And they're saying, hmm, is it possible this is the Messiah? Now this lights the Pharisees up. They don't like this. It sets them off. Uh, they could not allow the people to believe that Jesus is the Messiah or they are out of business. They do not want to be out of business because at all costs, these guys are going to protect their petty little religious turf, even against the truth. <laughs> Jesus come and deliver people, and rather than admit they were wrong, they would rather kill God than admit they were wrong. Sometimes religion is real good. But a lot of times, religion is real, real bad. And it's deceptive, and it's wrong, and it was there. Listen to this from John chapter 11. John chapter 11 says, The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council. Chief priests and ga- Pharisees gathered a council. They say, What shall we do? By the way, this was the Sanhedrin. What shall we do? For this man works many signs. We've got a problem. This guy's working miracles, you know? If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe him. And you want to say, and what would be wrong with that? Shouldn't they believe him? They go, we can't have this. He said, because if they do, they said to the council, the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They were like the clergymen in Nazi Germany. They had a little pitiful, they had their little pitiful little uh, professional churchman thing that the state gave them with state taxes. And so whatever Hitler said, they just kind of, many of them, and we'll hear about an exception today, many of them just kind of went along with it because they didn't want to lose their little petty little pastorates. And Hitler knew it. Hitler would privately write this. What about the clergy, they said? When they, when they say that Jewish people are less than human, what about the clergy? And Hitler wrote with kind of a demonic snare in his voice. Hitler said, we're not worried about the clergy. Because they'll do whatever we want them to do to protect their little salaries and their little positions. So they needed to act quickly, and they plotted to destroy Jesus. And they were living in jealousy and envy and fear, and they're in fear of losing their little religious monopoly. And, and they call him, they call Jesus, the Lord of the King of the Universe, this fellow, in a kind of a dismissive third person. This fellow. You don't call Jesus this fellow. That's what they did. And they gossiped about him. They, didn't, they weren't even manly. They didn't walk up to him and go, we think you're casting out demons by the power of demons. They did something that was more evil. They went behind his back, and they sowed this little kind of like ad hominem attack behind his back. But he knew it. And so he, he, did, he had this disconcerting habit of talking to people's thoughts. Every once in a while you see this. people would think, and then he would answer their thoughts, which would throw you off a little bit, right? It sounds like you were having kind of a nasty thought. You know, they were having a nasty thought. Like, I bet he cast on the devil. Then they're going talking to other people. He's casting on the devil. And he says, you're thinking, if, if I'm casting out demons by the power of the devil, you're not thinking very clearly. He's like, you guys are really losing it, because now you're not even making sense. If I was casting out, why would the devil cast out devils? Wouldn't that kind of backfire on him? I mean, it's just logically ignorant, right? 
The Pharisees, you know how it is when a person kind of gets beyond their arguments and they're really kind of on the run, then they, they, they don't have any arguments anymore and they kind of lost their footing, then they resort to attacking people, you know, the ad hominem attack. This is where they've gone. And Jesus knows that he kind of calls them on it. He says in verse, uh, you get a bold pronouncement. So you've got the oppressed man, you've got the crowds, you've got the Pharisees in verse 24. Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, ruler of the demons. And this was kind of a little slur. It was like a corruption of a word that kind of was saying, he's the Lord of, he's, he's uh, casting out demons by the Lord of the dung. It's sort of a, a slur on Jesus. Like a, the de- he's using the devil's power to cast out demons. And this is what the Pharisees said. So you've got the oppressed guy who's delivered. You've got the crowd who thinks, hey, maybe this is the Messiah. So good so far. But then you've got this phrase, and then there were the Pharisees. And then Jesus goes after the <laughs> Pharisees very directly. Because the rest of this, from chapter 12, verses 25 and following, even beyond our text that we're going to have time to deal with today, is Jesus like getting in their face and boldly challenging them. And it's really rich. It's, it's Jesus himself. So we're going to look at that here. He says, every kingdom divided against itself it will not stand. This is just a common truth that everybody would know. Of course, if you have like civil war, you're going to have trouble. Then he says in verse 26, if Satan cast out Satan, isn't he working against himself? In other words, he's going, now you guys aren't making sense. Why is it that your thinking is so cloudy? Why is it that you're not even thinking logically? I mean, you're smart guys, you've memorized large chunks of the Bible. What's wrong with you guys? What's gotten under your skin here? Hmm. It's kind of just asking this question. Verse 27, Beelzebub is empowering me to cast out demons. He says, by whose power do your sons cast out demons? Sons here probably means your pupils. In other words, he's saying, oh, you don't believe in casting out demons? That's funny because it seems like you're taking credit for your pupils that go around trying to cast in their pitiful way, cast out demons. We'll let them be our judge here, he says. So it's a little sarcastic kind of in your face. He's, he's giving it to them. He said, you, you know, he's got them kind of twisting here. There were some examples in the Bible of people that kind of made money trying to do uh, exorcisms. Remember that passage in chapter 19 of Acts, kind of humorous? Sons of Sceva, seven sons of Sceva, and they see they use the name of Jesus and Paul. And so the seven sons of Sceva decide they find this guy that's got demons, and they say, in the name of Jesus and Paul, we cast you out. And the funny part was the demons talk back and say, well, we know Jesus, we know Paul, but we don't know who you are. I just love that part. And the end is really cool, too. It's really kind of raw in the Bible, no pun intended. They rip off their clothes and send them out without any clothes on. They were exposed. It's in the Bible. It's just, read it. (laughs) kind of. I don't know about you. I just think that's kind of funny. It's supposed to be funny. You read it. It's like, these guys are going to cast out demons. No, they're not. They're going to scurry off without their clothes. What's going to happen? I know Jesus. No, you don't. (laughs) You don't know Jesus. You're just trying to make money. Get out of here. Jesus says, well, you have uh, pupils that cast out demons. So, I mean, you're obviously not against it. Just kind of depends on who gets the credit, right? So you guys, let me see if I understand this right. Your pupils cast out demons by the power of God, but I cast out demons by the devil. Am I right about this? It's kind of the deal, you know. I, 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 want, I, don't want, I want to be careful impersonating our Savior, the Lord Jesus. I wonder what it would have been like to see him there and what that would have looked like exactly. Verse 28, it it was as if Jesus was saying, be careful. Look at verse 28. He says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, feel the weight of this next phrase. Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
that's cool. It's like, that's awesome, isn't it? Jesus is going, if I am casting out demons by the Spirit, the kingdom is here, right around us right now. We're casting out demons by the Spirit of God. We're delivering broken people by the Spirit of God. Oppressed people that can't live normal lives are going to get set free. The lame are going to dance. The blind are going to see. People that couldn't talk are going to talk. People that got, die are going to die in their faith knowing that they're going to live for eternity. The kingdom is upon you. Do you really seriously want to get all dug in and miss that? What are you saying to them? So to back up, verse 25, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every cedar house divided against itself will not stand, Jesus says. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons or your pupils cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Go ask them. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God is come upon you. And now it kind of gets cool because then he uses this little... Uh, Use this little example. Look at verse 29. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? Now what is Jesus saying there? Who is who in this little analogy? Who's who in the story? Well, it's kind of neat. Jesus is the guy breaking in to steal. And, and the strong man is the devil. And so Jesus is saying, hey guys... Do you understand this whole, the devil's got a lockdown on everybody here. And he's got them bound. And he's depressing them. And they're going to hell because they have not been forgiven of their sins. He's in control in this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. But I'm coming to steal some people. I'm coming to get some people back. And we're going to bind a strong man. You are, are you with me? That's what he's saying. Are you with me? That's what he's saying. Are you going to be with me? Because this is going to get really fun. Because I'm going to steal some people. Can you hear Charlie Daniels? The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. <laughs> I was thinking about playing that today, but I knew it would be kind of like... <laughs> I got the way he is, man. He wants to steal some... You never heard that song, you pious gas bag? <laughs> Ask everybody who's laughing, because they heard it. You know, Jesus stole Charlie Daniels' soul. Did you know that? He's a believer, that's what I hear. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's fun being up here and looking at you. You're kind of... <laughs> but you are listening. See, that's the, that's the deal. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to go steal souls back from Satan. Are you with me or are you against me? And the crowd is going, I ain't saying yet. I'm waiting. Then he's going, you're against me. Hear this now. Hear this now. Jesus is saying, if you are not for me, you're against me. And if you're not working with me, you're scattering. If you're not sowing with me, you're scattering. Don't ever get caught up in this trap of neutrality when it comes to me. Don't be neutral when it comes to me. Don't ever be neutral when it comes to me. That's what he's saying. Look at that. Verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. If you're not working with me, you're not with me. I'm doing something in this world. I'm stealing souls back from the devil, he says. I'm delivering guilty people. I'm bringing people out of their shame to glory. I'm taking people out of the, the damnation, of eternal damnation in hell, and I'm putting their feet on the rock. I'm putting a song in their mouth. Are you with me? That's what he's saying. Are you with me on this? Or are you 
neutral. Because if you're neutral, you're not with me. We go to Greek town, let's say. We have dinner. Have a beautiful dinner. Oompa. God. Greek town. It's awesome. Right? So we get all done with that. Like we're walking to our car. We were saving money, so we parked a long way away on a cheap parking lot. It's dark. There are no lights. All of a sudden, a band of thugs comes out. They grab you. They hold a gun to your head. They say to me, shall I shoot him or not? And I'm like, dude, whatever you want to do is cool with me. I'm just not going to get involved. Am I with you or am I against you? Against. Right. If they got a gun to my head and you can't decide whether or not they should shoot, you are not my friend. Jesus has got a gun to his head here. They are plotting to kill him. They are plotting to kill Jesus. And he's saying to them, are you with me? And they're going, we're still thinking about it. He goes, then you're not with me. You're against me. And today it is the same. You sit here today, Jesus is still calling, are you with me? Don't sit on your hands when he says, are you with me? Jump to your feet when he says, and say, what are we doing? Are we looking for some souls and steal back from the devil? I'm with you on this. I don't know how to do it. You know how to do it. Let's get the oppressed people to Jesus. Let's go out after the oppressed people. Let's go after the hurting people. Let's go after the broken people. Let's go after the guilty people. Let's figure out a way to get to the people whose lives are all messed up. I'm with you on this. That's what Jesus wants from us. That is what Jesus demands from us. And here are some applications. Here are some applications. We're at the beginning here of a fresh new week. It's the Lord's Day, and I want to challenge you to be white, hot, blood earnest, wholehearted in your loyalty to Jesus this this week. I want you to see how many ways you can be loyal to Jesus this week. A bunch of creative ways. You can be loyal to Jesus in a thousand ways this week without even trying. You really could. You can be loyal to Jesus in a thousand ways this week. Remember this message. Remember this text. Remember the voice of Jesus saying, Are you with me or are you against me? And then rise up and say, Oh, Jesus, am I ever with you? Am I ever with you? You're bringing the kingdom. I want to be in on it. You're stealing souls from the devil. I want to be a part of that. What could be more fun? That's the Super Bowl, people. That's the super, 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 Super Bowl. (laughs) So sign up. (laughs) Look for ways to be creative look for ways to be courageous see how many ways you can show your loyalty loyalty to him and don't let anybody think that you're neutral about jesus did i tell you that we had a granddaughter a couple of weeks ago did i mention that i didn't i have pictures but well it wouldn't be fair if i showed pictures and then you'd want to show pictures and we'd be here too long so not going to do that i really did i have pictures they're here on this powerpoint presentation but i i know I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to talk about it just for a minute. My daughter, Heidi, married a boy from the church here, Austin, right? And so we, I'm praying, God, I'll, I'll give them the premarital counseling. I won't tell you everything, but I said, have babies. Jesus for this. <laughs> Don't send your kids to me for premarital counseling if you expect me to tell them not to have babies because I'm on Jesus' side of this thing. So I'm going to tell them to have babies right away. So send me an email. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. It, it was a good thing. So um, we like we have eight kids, and we've never wanted to throw even one of them back. You know, <laughs> they wanted to throw us back a few times. Anyway, so I'm like, have a baby, you know, and they're like, well, you know, they have a baby. So they call me, I'm going to have a baby. I'm like, yes. And and they had a baby, and the baby was early. You know, 
they call me this one day. They, they call us over. I guess I, I guess shorten this thing up. I could talk a long time about this, and I don't want to take advantage of I'm the pastor, so you have to listen to me tell my personal family stories. Here. <laughs> but, although I have done that before. Um, but <laughs> Lois, Lois and I, they call us over to New Buffalo, and they say, let's have dinner. And we go to New Buffalo, and, and we go walking up on this uh, thing overlooking the lake, and Heidi says, well, now is probably a really good time for me to tell you I'm going to have a baby. So we had dinner and and uh, we had a celebration. Then they're going to do the ultrasound later on. Now you're looking at it, Stephanie over here thinking, this is going to be a big day for you, isn't it? <laughs> We're looking at the ultrasound. So she looks at the ultrasound. Have you ever done this? You know, you get this little, you can see the little baby's profile. Sometimes you can, you know, see their gender and stuff. And see the little baby's nose and their chin and the little head and their person, their life. They're a person. They're fully a person. Amen? Right? So Heidi, who wants a baby, and Austin, who wants a baby, they go in and they get their little picture taken. They've been looking forward. They're going to tell us all about, you know, does it have the Shipley chin? No? Okay. So they take the picture, and then the technician comes back in, young man, closes the door behind him, and he says to Heidi, this, who's celebrating having this baby? Now, we need, to, we need to tell you, it's our duty to let you know that if you don't want to have this baby, you can have this baby aborted. I said, right. So the baby was born five weeks earlier. Five weeks early, five pounds and a half. Tiny, but as far as we know, perfectly healthy. And I couldn't help but think when that beautiful little baby girl, they could have killed that baby. Legally in this country, that's a shame. We ought to be ashamed of that. Eric Metaxas spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast. How many of you saw that on the internet? Did you see it? Oh, you ought to watch it. Eric Metaxas is the son of uh, Greek and German immigrants, first generation Greek and German immigrants. And he, and he went to Yale, and he's a bright guy, real funny, real articulate, real sharp. Wrote a couple books. He got converted. And when he got saved, he wrote this book. And the book was, uh, a couple other books, but he wrote his, a book that he's become very well known for now. A biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German Lutheran pastor who was martyred because he plotted, he helped others plot to take the life of Hitler, which I thought was a pretty manly thing to do. You don't have to say amen because, you know, you haven't decided what side you're on, I suppose. Anyway, so Hitler was this bad guy that killed millions of people. If you ever read that, yeah. Anyway, so the pastor, he comes to America. <laughs> I'm kind of being mean today. I'm sorry. Take it, take it as a rhetorical device. Don't take it personal. So, so, so he comes to America. Bonhoeffer comes to America, and he has a, a, an experience, probably a conversion experience. He goes back, and he, even though he could have been out of Nazi Germany and privilege, he goes back in, and he literally preaches and writes and works against the parties that want to treat Jewish people as non-human, less than human. And even to the point where he's involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler, and so they get him and they put him in a concentration camp, and out of spite, even a few days before Hitler took his own life, Hitler gave the order for Bonhoeffer to be hung, and he was hanged. His parents didn't know what happened. They'd lost boys in World War I, now they lost boys in World War II. His parents weren't sure. They were sitting and listening to the radio one day, and they heard 
their son's memorial service. That's how they found out that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hanged. He was engaged to be married. Uh, Eric Metaxas wrote a big, engaging biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was asked to speak this week at the National Prayer Breakfast. Our president and his wife were sitting nearby. It was so cool because Metaxas, who was a born-again Christian, exalted Jesus and gave the gospel. He was very creative. He was very humorous. He was very articulate. But he was very clear that, uh, of making that connection between we, don't con- we didn't consider Jewish people fully human. Is there an example of that in our culture, of people who are fully human, but we don't consider them fully human? And so he kind of indirectly says that. And later on, directly, in the presence of of our president and his wife, calls on people in power to stand up for the life of the unborn. It was powerful. It was wonderful. You should watch it. He showed conviction. He showed compassion. He showed creativity. He showed courage. He showed intelligence. He showed humor. Will you? Will there be a doubt whose side you're on? Or will you stand up? Jesus demanded commitment. He inspired devotion. He stirred hearts of men and women to do things in His power that they could never do on their own. Jesus demands loyalty still today. He didn't tolerate half-hearted, weak-willed, I will wait to see which way the wind of popular opinion blows types. He was large-hearted. Jesus was broad-chested. Jesus was clear-eyed. He was bold. And He called people to commitment. And today, Jesus is the man who still calls calls people to commitment. And he has the right to demand exclusive, lifelong commitment. He boldly said he was going to die. And he said to his disciples, come on and die with me. That's what Bonhoeffer said. Can I suggest real quick some ways to show love and loyalty? The Spirit will tell you better ways than I'm going to tell you. But here are some ideas that might get the juices flowing. First of all, if you are not a born-again Christian yet, and you're not sure about that, listen to me now. Get with a Christian that can walk you through how to be saved. In a moment, you can, that's ultimately going over on Jesus' side. And some of you here today, you're just like, you're thinking, you're listening, please, whatever you do, don't waste any time. We don't know how long we have on earth. Get saved. And, and come over on Jesus' side. You can take a coworker out for breakfast or lunch and just see if they're willing to listen to the story of Jesus. You can fill your bottle for the Guiding Hands Pregnancy Refuge. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Um, 300. We want 300 of these. Ba- Wouldn't that be awesome? We have like 30-some, probably a few more. Wouldn't it be awesome if everybody, if, I just want to challenge you, everybody who has one of these, see if you can fill it up or put as much as you can in, bring it back. It's a good thing. It'll be a fun. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a right. We'll fund this ministry, this gospel, a benevolent, loving, word for babies ministry. That would be something that you could do to show loyalty to Jesus. It really would. Another way you could do is just come to communion tonight quietly. We're going to have communion and worship Christ in quiet reverence. Bring your family. Some of our folk after church are doing a Super Bowl party so they can use the Super Bowl thing and honor the Lord with that. It would be an awesome thing to do. You could participate in the warming center or start a small group or volunteer to be a leader in a ministry. The ABF classes still need like ministry leaders and ministry coordinators and stuff like that. We've got all kinds of places to serve. You get a prayer partner and start to pray that God will use you to win somebody. You can put together a little gospel rap and put it on YouTube. Some of you should not try that. If you're, if you're gifted, you can do that. But if you're not, please don't try to do that. 
Or you could put a little bluegrass, because that's the favorite kind of music in heaven, on the YouTube. You know, you could toss your guitar in the trunk very carefully. You go across America, you could stop and sing to people and talk about Jesus. You'd be surprised what people will do. There's just all kinds of great. God made you in a creative way, and there's a way that's just right for you to make Jesus Christ known and show your loyalty to Him. And this, uh, you could volunteer to be a, a leader in a little, in a, you could go from a little prayer partnership to a little small group. That's like the wave of the future at Evangel, where we have little ministry teams kind of going out and doing things for the Lord. Thank you for that. And when you are deeply in love with Jesus, you will find there are just a thousand ways to show loyalty to him. Don't expect it to be a bed of roses. Don't expect uh, that you can do it without misunderstanding. When you join Jesus in kingdom work, don't be shocked by persistent opposition. Read the Bible. He had it continuously. Don't be surprised if the greatest opposition comes from misguided religious people. Following Jesus requires a thick skin and courage and faith. It's always been that way. It always will be that way. So don't ever leave any doubt, though, whose side you're on in this great fight of faith. How many of you? How many of you will join Jesus in the greatest work on earth? That's what I want to know. Which of, which of you will stand and you will get on board with the kingdom work of Jesus, which today in our age is called the local church. That's the question. How many of you will follow him with all your heart, even if it costs you your life, or even if you have to sacrifice, even if you have to set other things aside? How many of you are on the Lord's side? That's the question this morning. When Jesus looks you in the eye this week, and when Jesus says, are you with me, how many of you, who of you will say, I'm with you, Lord, I will always be with you. By your grace and by your power, I will always be with you. Let's express our commitment, our devotion, our loyalty to Christ this morning by singing a song. I picked song number 617 because it's like a march, 617, and I like to hear Evangel just sing this song. 617 is lead on, O King of Generals. Jesus, you're going, I'm following. Let's stand together and sing. 617.